0: Hi, and welcome to Match Cut, the movie podcast where we take two movies with the exact same rating on IMDb and break that tie. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Matt. Hello. Hi. So Matt and I are always looking for fresh movie matchups. If you've got a matchup you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at matchcutpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at matchcut. Look forward to some uh, changes coming to Match Cut in the near future, where exact same rating on IMDb may not be a focal point. So... Get those suggestions in. We'll be happy to cover them. So, Matt, what kind of uh, what kind of movies have you been watching this week? Uh, stories you've been taking in?
1: Well, I actually uh, started writing a little bit of my own story. Fun. It's uh, it's interesting, but I think I don't know if most people who write are like this. I want to f- delete it all and never show it to anyone because it's <laughs> yeah. it's obviously clearly garbage and no one is interested at all in it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know I, I, in a lot of my like creative endeavors, struggle with a lot of like talking myself or, you know, shutting down my own ideas. Right. Being your own worst enemy and your uh, devil's idea. And then, and then even when people do compliment it, you're just like, ah, you're just saying that. (laughs) Right.
1: Don't just say, it's good. I enjoy it. Tell me more. Tear apart my soul.
0: (laughs) I've definitely, like, in the same breath, Introduced an idea and then shut it down almost immediately.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, Another thing that I I watched, um, watched Logan Lucky again. And that movie is, it's just so good, uh, which is Mm -hmm. ironic because one of the films we're doing is Steven Soderbergh. And Steven Soderbergh did that. There's just something about like the way he makes films and the way he, he gets them lit and all that, that, like aside from honestly, you know, traffic, they all have this very like grounded color palette that isn't like super stylized, but also has its own unique character to it. Um, yeah. I also think Logan Lucky was criminally, uh, forgotten about at the theaters and just ignored because I want to see more in that universe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If if you enjoyed, you know, oceans trilogy and other Soderbergh directed thing, um, Check out Logan Lucky, a little NASCAR themed, uh, themed, uh, oceans movie. A lot of appearances by NASCAR drivers.
1: Yeah. It's got a lot of, uh, uh, it's got a good performance by Channing Tatum and, uh, and, uh, Kylo Ren. Why did I forget his name?
0: (laughs) Oh man. Now I'm blanking on it too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. No, that, that name is totally gone. Uh, (laughs) Um,
1: Adam Driver.
0: Adam Driver. Yep. There you go.
1: Both putting on very convincing southern accents.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Uh definitely worth a watch. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Go ahead and and check it out. I believe it was like Prime produced as well. Oh, it also has a little known actor called uh Daniel Craig. <laughs> he gets right. introduced in that movie, so what about you, Aaron? What uh, what have you been watching? The stories you've been uh, partaking in or writing or listening or
0: creating? Uh, well, we've watched, we've watched a couple movies together this week. Um, Nausicaa of the...
1: Valley of the Wind.
0: Valley of the Wind, thank you. I was going to have to cut that part in. <laughs> um, you know, as kind of one of the first uh, Miyazaki films kind of led to the creation of Ghibli.
1: Yeah, you looked into it and that's what was the impetus to creating Studio Ghibli.
0: hmm You know, it's it's a solid, like, environmental message that, f- for better or worse, still holds up.
1: Yeah, the movie was made in, like, what, 80 or 78? 79? I believe so, yeah. And, A, the animation is still impeccable. Mm-hmm. Uh, has that a really good, you know, stuff that Ghibli is known for. And then, you know, yeah, the, the story is just still, we <laughs> uh, are still doing this shit.
0: Yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, it's a little exposition heavy, but if you can get past that, I mean, it's, it's a solid, solid flick. What else have I watched?
1: Oh, last night we watched no man's land.
0: Yeah. A little, uh, well, maybe a, not prototypical, but, Cause it wasn't like the first, but a pleasantly formulaic kind of crime heist thriller with a, a very young, I cannot, now that Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen, thank you. A very young Charlie Sheen.
1: Yeah. Charlie uh, Sheen. Like, I want to say this is only like a year or two after platoon.
0: Yeah. It was what, 85 or sorry, 87, right around that era. Yeah,
1: it's it's not like right after; it's a few years later. But I mean, it's still very young and youthful. Um, I liken it as uh, to uh, to live and die in L.A. light.
0: Yeah, definitely. With uh, later Point Break and Fast and Furious, you know, maybe not intentionally, but.
1: I mean yeah, it was just like, taken
0: inspiration from. The
1: second we started joking about that that it was Fast and the Furious, it was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, it is."
0: <laughs> yeah, especially because it's centered around cars, like it's going to in in the modern era it's going to draw those comparisons even if they are like wrong chronologically.
1: Yeah, the uh um, what I kind of found interesting uh, in that movie is the attention to detail the movie spent on like how to steal a car.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like here's step by step, you know, well before a lot of the modern security systems we have now, I know like I never drove a Porsche, but my VW bug, it was a 62. Like you could steal that thing like so quick, mostly because it was only two screws. Um, on like this back panel of the dash and then you could just short the ignition switch together.
1: <laughs> there you go. I'm actually curious about how accurate that stuff would be to 80s Porsches. Like if mm-hmm. and I wonder if that movie led to even a small increase of just crimes of opportunity of there's a Porsche and no one around. Can I get it?
0: Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, it requires some specialized tools. Well, not sometimes just a knife to cut through a soft top, but yeah, you know, slim jims and, and the, the breaker for the, um, ignition tumbler. Yeah. But other than that, um, yeah, I've been diving back into control. I'm doing a let's play with our friend and previous guest host on match cut, uh, Kurt. So that's been going up and it's been kind of fun diving back into that.
1: You can find Uh that on off brand hot dogs at YouTube.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll put a link in the in the show notes for some shameless self-promotion. But if you want a movie that's kind of um, out now on streaming in that genre of, like, the new weird, um, The Vast of Night is on Amazon Prime. I believe it was the similar. Of night. Yeah, The Vast of Night. I believe it was Vast. produced by Prime. Um, but interesting story that kind of talks about um, some alien sightings and, like, the late fifties, early sixties around a small town. Um,
1: it's always a small town. It's never like, Oh yeah, here's a place that would have a lot of coverage of it. Unless you're Mexico city.
0: That's independence day is what that is. (laughs) 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 Um, but they, they do address that specifically in the movie. Like why it's, why it's small towns or sparsely populated areas. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. I wouldn't say it's like, a super deep story or, or particularly challenging, but it's a fun watch. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got two movies that are maybe not light and breezy watches. Um, kind of the
1: opposite of what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to give a disclaimer up front here. Um, if you don't want politics and your entertainment products, this is probably the episode to skip. Um, these movies both deal with the war on drugs and and the surrounding factors so we're going to we're going to get into it a little bit and uh if that's not your cup of tea i understand and we'll see you next week
1: i don't understand <laughs> i am un- not understanding and i have no sympathy
0: <laughs> you know i think like for me like early this week was just a lot of like bad news all at once as oh yeah i mean people are horrible and, and-
1: the Rona has been a nonstop deluge of really just heavy hitting like this is terrible and this is terrible and everything is, is a house of cards and, and, and you should feel bad and you are bad and your systematic racism. And it's just like uh, 2020 every month is the longest year of my life.
0: Yeah. So, you know, sometimes this podcast is a, uh, an escape from that into the fantastical world of movies, just not this week. So this episode's matchup is about quite simply the war on drugs, the soldiers who fight it and the cost on both sides. So attach your yellow camera filters, pack your briefcases full of money and remember kids, just say no to drugs. It's traffic versus Sicario. So how did you, uh, experience this movies before the podcast?
1: So with Sicario, that was one that I saw, you know, ads for back in 2016, 2015,
0: Mm -hmm. 2015.
1: Oh God, it's been five years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never got around to going to the theaters to see it, however. uh, But there was a massive windstorm where I lived that knocked out the power for like a week and a half on average. And it was playing at the local like independent theater. And so I, like, took that time and opportunity to go to the independent theater and watch it. And, uh, yeah, it's, (laughs) I I didn't come home happy, especially because the power wasn't back on still. (laughs) Right. And then Traffic, I eventually saw on DVD. I believe my mom and I rented it or something. Yeah. Definitely a little too young to see it in theaters being 10 when it came out. (laughs)
0: right I'm in the same boat there I don't even remember like this movie being advertised so it was I mean definitely not aimed at 10 year olds but
1: well traffic I mean something we'll probably get into but like you know that's a pre 9-11 film Mm -hmm. like so it's capturing a moment in time that like things drastically change and yeah it's (sighs) the more things change the more they stay the same (laughs)
0: right yeah we've got a yeah pre 9-11 and post 9-11 film um sicario i watched uh while i was donating platelets at the red cross and you know a
1: nice light movie to donate blood to
0: (laughs) yeah they got like a drawer of dvds there because like a platelet donation takes about an hour and a half to two hours so it's like perfect movie length uh that being said i think i i stopped watching sicario at, at a certain point very near to the end uh, which we'll talk about, but um it was interesting seeing the ending to that and traffic, yeah, like similar to you, I did not watch when it came out, but dissimilar to you, I just never caught up with it until now. So this I, was the first one. It it's
1: never heard. a surprise to me that you haven't ended up <laughs> seeing a
0: film. Yeah. You know, just movies aren't a aren't a medium I I dive into that much and still don't very often, but <laughs> You know, I watch these two (laughs) (laughs) says host
1: of movie podcast.
0: I don't really watch movies. That was part of the reason for starting this podcast was like, I should watch more movies. An excuse. (laughs) So besides being linked by their IMDb scores, these movies are also separated by zero degrees of separation as Benicio del Toro is in both of them.
1: We could also go even weirder and and do one degree of separation because Josh Brolin, who is in Sicario, his dad is in Traffic. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's like a biblical begat sort of connection. <laughs> Both movies are rated a seven point six on IMDb, but one of them must be better than the other. Let's find out right after this short break. Right, welcome back. Like we talked about, we're making some changes to the format. We're going to go ahead and cover um, some of the basics of both movies. And then um, our discussion will be a little more intertwined between the two movies. So beginning with Traffic. Traffic is a 2000 movie written by Steven Gagan, based on the miniseries Traffic by Simon Moore and directed by Steven Soderbergh. Traffic stars Michael Douglas, Benicio Del Toro, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, backed up by a very strong supporting cast. Uh, writer Stephen Gagan is best known for Traffic, as well as Syriana. Although his most recent credit is for Doolittle, the movie starring Robert Downey Jr.,
1: which did little at the box office.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry,
1: you can cut that out. <laughs> um,
0: he also did writing for Call of Duty: Ghosts. Um, director Steven Soderbergh has directed many excellent movies. Although his most, although he has been most recognized for Traffic, Aaron Brockovich, and Sex Lies, and Videotape. However, he'll always hold a special place in my heart for the Ocean's Trilogy, as I mentioned earlier. Traffic relates the interconnected stories of individuals caught up in the war on drugs. A conservative judge from Ohio, played by Michael Douglas, is appointed the new drug czar. But meanwhile at home, his daughter, played by Erica Christensen, is freebasing cocaine. DEA agents Gordon and Castro, Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman, are attempting to bring down the drug kingpin Carlos Ayala, played by Stephen Bauer, via middleman Eduardo Ruiz, played by Miguel Ferrer. However, the overgrown uh, drug cartel and Carlos's wife, Helena, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, are not interested in letting that snitch go to trial. And finally, down in Tijuana, police officers Javier and Manolo, played by Benicio Del Toro and Jacob Vargas, are just trying to make their neighborhoods a little safer but aren't sure who can actually help them. It's a lot of, like you said, very closely interconnected stories.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to summarize that movie. And I mean, there's a reason that movie is nearly three hours long.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Sicario is a 2015 uh, film written by Taylor Sheridan and directed by Denis Villeneuve, starring Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio Del Toro. Uh, writer Taylor Sheridan is best known for Sicario, as well as Hell or High Water, Yellowstone, and previously on Match Cut, Wind River. Director Denis Villeneuve is best known for Sicario, uh, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049, as well as the upcoming Dune uh, adaptation. When an FBI raid on a suspected kidnapper's hideout reveals a far more shocking truth that brings Kate Mercer, Emily Blunt, and her partner, Reggie Wayne, Daniel Kaluuya, to the front lines of the war on drugs, guided by the shadowy hand of Matt Graver, Josh Brolin, and accompanied by the mysterious Alejandro, Benicio Del Toro, Kate begins to see behind the facade of polite society and the truth beyond the border.
0: Excellent. So yeah, uh, my first impression of traffic Mm -hmm. never having seen it before is wow. Mexico is very yellow. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I think that traffic is the movie that kind of started that stereotype Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: Steven Soderbergh made a directorial choice to be like, each of these stories is in a different filter to very easily distinguish the setting.
0: Yeah. It Uh, it lightens up a little bit. I think in some of the scenes that take place in the U S
1: in the scenes that take place in La Jolla and San Diego, it is a fairly regular filter with no excess coloration, but Mm -hmm. in Ohio and Washington, it is a blue filter and in all of Mexico, it is a yellow filter.
0: Yeah, they kind of. I, I felt like they kind of lightened up on the blue a little bit more than they lightened up on the yellow. Uh, we also watched the uh, Criterion Collection version of this movie, so I don't know if if they went back and they oomphed they, up the color a little bit.
1: They don't oomph up. They remaster to like the original film specifications rather than. Mm-hmm compressed adaptations and all that. So they take the time to restore every frame of the the film.
0: Yeah. So may may have appeared differently in this version than like on a DVD is is mostly my point there. Where some of the colors may have been stronger as it was originally.
1: Right. Traffic is telling a story and it's gonna take the time to tell that story. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas Sicario is telling a story and basically uh, Emily Blunt's Kate character is the audience surrogate. She's being Mm -hmm. thrown into a world that she doesn't understand or know. And no one is going to take the time to really bring her up to speed. Right. So you have to infer a little bit more about what's going on. And I, the way I look at Sicario is it's a deconstruction of like the hero myth around law enforcement and police and the drug war and all that. Cause there's something, mm-hmm. there's honestly a lot of basically folklore around it. Whereas traffic was doing that in the two thousands, you know, pre 911, as I mentioned in the intro that it's, it's bringing up, like it's showing you like, you know, this is, this is the problem. And it was already saying in 2000, it's unwinnable. And right. Sicario is basically saying like, this is the situation you've created with an unwinnable drug war where literally the rules don't matter. We're just doing whatever the heck we want and killing people because, you know, we can. Right. We're stirring shit up to to provoke responses at the cost of innocent lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely watching, like, Traffic. It's, it's kind of a mystery where this movie is, like, really going. Like, Sicario, right away, you get this this very bloody messy scene in the kidnap house. And like there's bodies in the wall and it's just like, yeah. okay, here's, you know, here's ostensibly the driving force for the movie or this, you know, call to action, whatever you want to call it. But like traffic starts very slowly. I mean, well,
1: it's not in some it,
0: ways. There's also a shootout. Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning.
1: But. It sets up each storyline independently of one another and slowly weaves them together at, individual points in the movie, everyone's storyline or each individual storyline intersects with the others.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, with either characters from one storyline appearing in another or people literally on the street walking by one another.
0: Yeah. Um, about an hour in, I was just like, well, what's the, like, what's the mystery of this movie? Like, you know, we're kind of telling these stories, but they're just kind of proceeding, you know, and even like the, the, high rank you know high ranking washington official with a overachieving daughter with a drug problem you know even felt a little cliche and then like right around that point it's like then you get like a threatened kidnapping and like you know they're and then like benicio del toro's partner manolo is like mixed up in this whole thing and then then the movie kind of starts like kicking off where it's like okay I, i see where this is going
1: well, I think to a degree, traffic is kind of about the decisions we make as individuals and like the levels that we're at in terms of influence. Like mm-hmm. um Javier Rodriguez Rodriguez, played by Benicio Del Toro, his character ends up like I feel like in a position of power at the end of it because basically his character didn't want it to begin with. Like, yeah. you know, we we talked briefly about like, objectives of individuals in this. And aside from Javier, no one else has a happy ending to a degree. Yeah. Like, yes, Catherine Zeta-Jones is Helena Ayala's character. Um, she gets what she wants, but at the cost of literally continuing and escalating the drug war. She, <laughs> yeah. Her husband was developing a new way to, because he's the American point of contact and uh, distribution on the west coast of the cartel's cocaine and he was developing a new way to smuggle in cocaine and she le- levies that against the head of the cartel and creates exclusivity thus increasing their standing as <laughs> she like breaks bad basically
0: yeah in traffic, when I was kind of waiting for the action to kick off, it's like, okay, well what's the point? And I think some of the message of this movie in talking about the war on drugs is kind of like, look, there's no point if you're just gonna, you know, be two warring armies or whatever in this in this war on drugs, like yeah, you're what's, not addressing what's
1: your, what's your end game of the war on drugs? Uh, Michael Douglas's character who's taking over the federal whatever position to fight it. Is asking it multiple times, and you can get the sense that it's because of his—he knows his daughter's involvement with drugs and and her, you know, all that. Like, where's treatment? Where's treatment in all this? And you know, mm-hmm. he gets the a um, the the Mexican uh, general that's like fighting it, quote unquote, on the the Mexican side says, "Oh, treatment is you know they overdose, and that's one less person to worry about." Mm-hmm. And like that's basically the the standing of anyone in positions of power is treatment. What are you talking about treatment? We're just talking about, you know, doing the same things over and over again. Like that's yeah. that defeating plane ride of like <laughs> this one plane ride only new ideas on the table, anything <laughs> outside of the box. And no one says anything. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that was literally something that someone going into the, one of those positions actually said.
0: Right. And then, like he finally gets his eyes opened by this you know little lecture from Topher Grace playing an excellent little college or high school age I guess shithead. but I don't you know, know if
1: his eyes were opened. I think his character definitely saw that as like you're you're just an effing punk, you don't know what you're talking about, right, regardless of whether or not it's true.
0: Like, I think he realizes more of its validity. Like after he sees this situation with his daughter where it's just like, oh, you yeah. know, he might have something here. But I think it's it's really well done in um, Wakefield's speech, you know, when he's first, when he kind of has this breakdown in front of the press corps or whatever, right. where it's like, you, you and I could write that speech. We all know what that speech sounds like. Yeah, You know, we're going to build a solid, you know, we're going to reexamine the mistakes of the past while building a solid future. You know, whatever we've heard it a million times, and and it kind of takes him like drawing those words out of his mouth to to realize what's wrong, and then you know realize just like, hey, if we're gonna fight a war, there's enemies, and our enemies happen to be you know at home, our for family, him. like yeah, yeah, in a very very literal mm-hmm. sense.
1: Sicario kind of makes similar blurred lines going on with that, mm-hmm. where like you know who's the enemy, like. That shootout at the border is like a perfect example of this. They see the obvious enemies in the one car, and so they they surround them and basically, you know, dare them to make a move. And when they do, they execute them. Like there's <laughs> those characters, the, those cartel guys have no chance against the firepower arrayed against them. With uh, that, one of my favorite moments is as they're about to walk away, and you know it's gonna end bloodlessly. Jeffrey Donovan's Steve forcing DEA agent character, like shakes his head. And like the second he starts turning away, they start making a move. And then he just zips them like mm-hmm. ridiculously quick and efficiently. And there's what, what were they going to do? Like, right. But the, the blurred lines aspect is when, um, Kate Mercer, Emily Blunt, uh, sees in a rearview mirror, a guy dressed as a federale like aiming at her to kill her. So she, kills him. Yeah. And like her response throughout this her whole like character response throughout the movie for most part is what the fuck are we doing here? What the fuck <laughs> yeah. is going on? Like Yeah. Her character being kind of the audience surrogate at least that's how I've always seen it is naive thinking mm-hmm. that there's like an end game to any of this. Like there there isn't. Like we'll, you know, we'll go after one uh head of a, a cartel and you know, we'll take them down and that'll be good for a few days, but business as usual, you know, returns and the similar thing happens in traffic where the, you know, the two warring cartels are going to to battle against each other, but, um, you know, they take it, take it out and drugs still keep making it into America. Um, yeah, there's that great tear down by, um, Uh, Miguel Ferrer as uh, Eduardo Ruiz uh, where he's like, what good did your drug bust do and arresting me do? You know, your partner is dead. He wouldn't be if you hadn't done that. And like the bullshit of it is, you know how futile this is talking to Don Cheadle's character, but you're just too stuck in your ways to do anything about it. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) yeah. How do you fight a war when there's no clear end point like it's it's vietnam it's a quagmire you you don't have a way out and so what you get is just conflict after conflict and escalation after escalation and eventually honestly in a way sicario is like a sequel to traffic
0: (laughs) yeah um definitely it's it you know it's it's a it's a pleasing political message to be like, we're gonna fight a war on drugs, but you can't just like shoot drugs, you know, or you can't <laughs> capture and, and detain drugs. It's like you have to fight people and Sicarios both traffic and Sicario are saying like, Look, you know, we don't know who the enemy is. Like we're over here shooting law enforcement in other countries, like
1: And then in our own country law enforcement has been bought and paid for to do the dirty work of the cartels.
0: Mm-hmm. Other countries, law enforcement is compromised. Our own law enforcement is compromised. Like if you want Sicario kind of saying like, look, if you want a war on drugs, if you want a quote unquote successful war on drugs, like this is what it looks like. You know, it's dirty shit done through unscrupulous means, you know, Sometimes helping America, sometimes helping like, because Sicario is essentially a revenge story.
1: Yeah, it it essentially is.
0: In another way. But I think what's really interesting about Sicario is that this revenge story, Alejandro's revenge story is essentially told through Kate's eyes and I think is a brilliant, you know, audience surrogate and, you know, in the movie is justified as like, hey, we need domestic agency if we're going to operate on home territory.
1: Which like when you first hear that you like you don't know why they're pulling her in and it's like in the third act she mm-hmm. finally figures out that Matt Gave Gaver, played by Josh Brolin, is CIA. They were literally just using her to do whatever the hell they wanted.
0: Yeah, on this side of the fence, as you know. Um- yeah.
1: And he's constantly giving her exactly what she wants to hear. You know, we're going after the people responsible. We're, you know, getting, uh, you know, evening the score and all that. And they're just platitudes because he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. He doesn't believe in any of that. And he knows what he's doing is just using her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a great framing for a revenge story because I think if if you were to take the more traditional movie approach of just focusing on Alejandro, like we've seen that movie before of just, you know, one man driven by rage to, you know, yeah, extract revenge. Yeah. And it's good for a, it's good for a, you know, action film. And if you got a, you know, jacked up, right it out, leading man, like, you know, it's it's a fun movie, but. It's tough to say anything other than, you know, the typical, like, revenge bad. Who's the real monster? You know, you are what you sought to destroy.
1: Like, honestly, I would say that Sicario is saying revenge is
0: completely
1: justified. And, Mm -hmm. like, Alejandro's character seems to feel better after he gets his revenge.
0: Yeah. So. uh, I think as far as, like, you know, we talked about color in, in traffic. I think one of the most fascinating, like, color scenes in Sicario is that, um when they do the night raid and they're swapping between, like, the night vision in infrared and infrared. Oh, yeah.
1: It feels like you're watching, like, an actual, like, you know, combat footage cams going on where there's drone footage of, of troops moving towards uh, an area of operations and then, Here's the 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 night vision of like a raid happening, mm-hmm. like that's all very pointed by Denis Villeneuve. I feel,
0: yeah, and I think yeah, where where traffic shines a lot, you know, outside of the message, which I, which I think is also good, is is it's builds tension very well, and it's it it is a western, you know, it is that which one traffic a, or Sicario? Sicario is a western, yeah, the, uh, and Taylor t- Sheridan, you know
1: has said as much that hell or high water wind river and Sicario is a modern Western trilogy that he wrote.
0: Yeah. And so like those scenes in, you know, in the stopped traffic at the border in the caves, is that like, you know, high noon, both hands above the holsters, you know, tumbleweeds rolling by it's, it's that scene basically in another format.
1: Yeah. like, the, you know, the other thing Sicario does really well is, especially with the music, throughout that whole sequence of going to Mexico to extract the prisoner, there is this looming sense of dread mm-hmm. imposed on by the score and then enforced by, you know, Emily Blunt's reaction and the, the, the soldiers' comms, you know, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be at the border, stay frosty yeah you know just very blunt conversation whereas the way in they were you know uh steve fosting was uh forcing jeffrey donovan was telling you know uh off-color story about how he might have crabs (laughs) right and um the you know the it's just so well done that no one no one says other than that one line right before the gunfight happens that you know this is a bad part of town. You see that when you see bodies that have been decapitated hanging. Right. Like it, this movie doesn't have to set the stage as much as traffic does because in 2000 we were still living in a, you know, uh an era of assumed safety and peace. You know, we mm-hmm. weren't at war, official war. Obviously we're at a drug war, but you know, <laughs> your house was safe, but there was a growing, you know, concern that was when, you know, Columbine happened a year earlier and, uh, you know, rumblings of stuff elsewhere in the world, but you know, America was fine. And then, you know, traffic comes around. It's like, this is what, what's growing, going on under the surface. And we've already lost in 2000. So 15 years later, it's just deteriorated. Like we said, to a point of just. Nihilism basically at the Mm -hmm. end uh, Alejandro uh, goes to Kate and, you know, he gives her a word of advice, you know, don't be hanging out on balconies for some time just to be safe. And you re- like, you, you think he's just there, like, you're like, hey, how did he get in her house? But, <laughs> you know, he's been in her her apartment before. And then he takes her service weapon and puts it to her head, basically, like, you need to sign this release saying you consented to all of this stuff that happened and he's like doing it very coercively. And like, you can tell he kind of doesn't want to do this, but he doesn't care either.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the stakes are set. He will just blow her brains out. Like, I mean,
1: there was that moment he said previously where if you ever point a fucking gun at me again, I will kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, then you know she signs it and he disassembles her weapon and he says like one of my favorite lines in the movie you know move to a a small town where the rule of law still exists because this is the land of wolves and we're wolves
0: yeah it's a good yeah I I say western sensibilities in the sense of like movie westerns yeah you know it's that
1: I mean to make it political, there are cops that think like that, that have mm-hmm. been trained to think like that. And so that saying, and, a, you know, a, someone marginally aligned with the, the quote unquote good guys mm-hmm. saying that it should be a little chilling. And I remember like in the theater, when he says that I'm like, that's basically the movie right there is if you think that the rule of law actually matters anymore, because of this drug war, then you don't belong here. Go away. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of seeing that like, you know, how many uh, places have made, you know, restraining techniques illegal and cops are still doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Cops
1: still arresting people, cops still shooting people, like all the things that people are out in force week after week, taking over an entire neighborhood in Seattle and throwing the cops out.
0: Yeah, because all of a sudden it's it's a war, you know, it's us versus them. There's the thin blue line, whatever, you know, and, and very much on the nose like sheep, sheep, dogs and wolves. Yeah, like
1: fuck you, Dave Grossman,
0: the warrior cop mentality, but it's it's disgusting and unnecessary and you know
1: and like the naivete of Kate's character where she's like oh we can we can prosecute this we can build a case and you know, it's like mm-hmm. and constantly being told by the you know the people really pulling the strings like don't do that we're not trying to do that you know you're stupid for thinking we can do that. Basically. Yeah, we're
0: cutting heads off a of Hydra, you know, two more will grow to take its place.
1: But at, at least for a time, we'll we'll get some, you know, uh, a, a little a lull in activity. Yeah. Hey, uh, does Josh Brolin's mad graver even say to her until we can stop people from snorting this shit up their nose? People like, you know, this is inevitable. People like Alejandro will always exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the scene in the in the after the tunnels where he's talking about the Medellin and what it meant, and you know, it's that's like right. until you can convince twenty five percent of the population to stop doing drugs, like here's here's what we're looking at, you know.
1: Which is the same. Like there was a, a mildly more hopeful version of that in traffic, but by the time you know, fifteen years later, we're in Sicario. It's like the people that are fighting this war they don't have any sympathy left. Yeah. If they ever did to begin with.
0: Mm -hmm. And traffic. Yeah. Traffic has that really good scene at the end, you know, that's built on stuff established earlier where it's like, you know, we need lights for baseball diamonds, you know, like that's, that's, I think the solution, like, you know, you, you can't address systematic problems until you, you know, investigate what, what's created this system like why do yeah. we have a war on drugs why do we have crime it's like it's systematic problems where people feel that drugs or crime or whatever are their only escape or they're only like way out of the life you know it's it's what topher grace's character um seth abrams like says it's like this is the best thing going you know you want to make money you sell drugs you want to yeah. You know, what
1: what would it what would it do to you if a whole bunch of black people came into your white neighborhood and were like, Hey man, you got any drugs? You wanna you want any drugs? It's like like forty percent of you would be dealing drugs that night.
0: hmm It's three hundred percent markup. Make five hundred dollars in two hours and do whatever the hell you want with the rest of the day. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then he kind of so, realizes who he's talking to. <laughs> he's yeah, a little sheepish. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think the, the, the point of the, the Robert Wakefield, uh, Michael Douglas character and his family story is showing you like, look, she's, she's not doing drugs because she's down on her luck either. She's well off, smart, one of the best students in school has all the opportunities available to her. She's doing it because the reason a lot of us acted out at that age or continue to act out. What else is there? How else am I going to get a response from my parents? I don't feel anything. You know, mm-hmm. what is the point of this house if it's not an actual home? Uh, parents that don't actually super love each other or there's like a simmering resentment between them. And I definitely yeah. love the the wife's character uh, of Michael Douglas's um, kind of calling him out on his alcoholism yeah it's like how is it any different and and then he you know does the classic justifications and it's like look in america alcohol is legal when you're 21 cigarettes are legal when you're 18. marijuana is just now becoming legal in many states at 21. Mm -hmm. and you, you look at the states that have legalized marijuana their budgets have increased because of all the tax revenue from the marijuana and the crimes and instances of usage have gone down dramatically.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, cigarettes are 21 now, but I, yeah, it doesn't Cigarettes are message. 21 now. That, mm-hmm. is,
1: are you sure that's
0: not just a California thing? Nope. That's nationwide.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Anyway, um, you know, both these movies are kind of showing like, again, I, I kind of like the, the thought that I had that I've, reiterated that you know Sicario is a non-affiliated sequel to traffic and that you know in the two, in 2000 they were like these are all the problems that we already have they're just gonna get worse the way to fix it is legalize it and you know stop the war on drugs sicario is the fallout of not taking that action and you look at what's happening in 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 real time in America and all over the the world, in all honesty, of police, what happens when the police are told that everyone is their enemy and their job is to enforce laws that are arbitrary? Mm-hmm. Like you, you get police forces that abuse their power, that think that that are above the law, that will quit if their privilege is taken away.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as far as like arbitrary laws, I mean, like go back and look at the impetus for the, you know, the war on drugs. It was to lock up minority populations, you know, take away their right to vote and, and but still count them in the census for representation. Sure. But, you know,
1: it's like, you know, The, th- the, 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 sad part is we've known for so long how to fix the systems in place in America, but because of the current systems in place that protect their own power, they will, the, the, the complex will continue revolving and it's a meat grinder.
0: Mm-hmm. Turns yeah.
1: people into products and takes away their dignity and humanity.
0: Yeah. So it's a oh boy. I'm really torn on, on which one I liked better. Oh, the one thing I will say, going back to your point about the um, supposed security in the, you know, in our, in our daily lives, pre nine 11. Yeah. The um, scene at the country club. That is the most repre- that is the best representation of upper middle class white women that I've ever seen. Oh Yeah. Like, when she tells that stupid two glasses of wine after her amnio joke, you know she's told that before. That is the joke she tells about yes. wine. She's got that in the holster, ready to go because it worked. That's. That I is, think
1: I think you and I are like acutely susceptible to those scenes because of where we grew up and went to high school. Partially, mm-hmm. it was literally <laughs> a place like La Jolla.
0: Yeah, it's upper I, upper I middle I feel, class
1: white people that like. <laughs> Everything is about keeping up with the Joneses and all that.
0: Yeah. As an eminent authority on the behavior of upper middle-class white women, (laughs) I am putting my seal of approval on that country club scene.
1: (laughs) That's another thing that I think, uh, traffic does. I feel a little bit better than Sicario is the characters in traffic feel like real people. Yeah. Day in, day out. Like, Luis Guzmán's D agent, like yeah, there's probably DEA agents that are like that, think that they're the funniest shit and you know, telling <laughs> jokes and undercover ops and you know. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the mid level drug drug dealers are completely amicable and like not horrible people. Like
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, this is how I make a living. This is it, you know.
1: And I was doing this fine the- until I got greedy. And then Mm -hmm. someone tipped you off. And by the way, you're working for the
0: cartels. (laughs) Yeah. But do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up with either of these two movies?
1: Mm, I think we're, yeah, go on to the final summary.
0: All right. So join us right after this. We'll be right back and, uh, talk about our final thoughts on these movies and what you can expect from us coming up next. So right after this short break. All right. Welcome back. Uh, So final thoughts on these movies. Uh, Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I. It is a tough toss up. And I feel that between these two films, a, I think they're both. Underrated on IMDb specifically, I think these are both at Mm. least eights, if not nines, but. um, It really depends on what you're in the mood for and how much time you've got to spend like traffic has a pace and doesn't really increase that pace. Sicario follows a little bit more modern sensibilities with screenwriting and, and pacing and, you know, order of story. Um, so it depends on what you're in the mood for. If you're looking for a little more gunplay and like, uh, you know, a little more action. I mean, Sicario has more of that, but yeah, you know, I think the little harder hitting just because it's still relevant, if not more so, you know, 20 years later, which is weird to say, um, yeah, is that traffic is a great film. It just takes a little bit more time to tell its story. Um, I think from a critical standpoint, I go with traffic, but from, a enjoyment standpoint i've watched sicario voluntarily multiple times
0: yeah i'll uh i'll pretty much agree with you here i think that these are two movies that you should take the time to like watch together because i think they are an interesting you know two interesting snapshots of the war on drugs um if I were to recommend one, I think, yeah, traffic has more of a broad appeal and its message like Nausicaa is still de- distressingly relevant in yeah. uh, these times. Yeah, Sicario is like, you know, maybe for, for people in our age range and taste group. That's that's, that's a, a way to phrase. save that. Yeah, it's people who share our tastes. Sicario is going to be an easy one to sit down and if you want to turn your brain off and you're not looking for like subtext or like what does this mean in the broader picture like you can still enjoy Sicario a ton Um, traffic because it's mixed in with a lot of political intrigue you know isn't isn't such a a mindless or
1: yeah like it doesn't uh, lend
0: itself to a mindless watch.
1: Something that I didn't bring up was that there's a scene where Michael Douglas's character is arriving in Washington because he's going to take over this federal job. And he's at this, you know, meet and greet, you know, glad handing party. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people he's talking to are literally actual senators and representatives that do this job. And mm-hmm. I, I said to you, like, I wouldn't be surprised or, you know, I, I would. I'm willing to bet that the the lines that they're giving him are literally their actual policy positions and or things that they've been
0: told. Yeah. Um, but if I had if I had to pick one to say go out and watch, I mean, I think it's I think it's traffic because I yeah. think it it has a better it has a more explicit answer for like. Does it? You know what? What are what are some steps that we can start taking in this war on drugs? I I think so. I think that you know, listening, analyzing the situation, mm. and you know, like in a more concrete way, installing lights and baseball diamonds, like you know, that's that's I think a more reasonable path towards winning the war on drugs. And I think I think it's something that more people should open their eyes to. So
1: I will say that yeah, there Sicario is a lot more nihilistic in its ends, like. You feel drained and tired and like there is no hope. Whereas traffic is saying like, look, we've known how to fix this since we started it. We've just chosen not to.
0: Yeah, because again, the reasons it started wasn't necessarily to like, you know, clean up drugs forever. It's just stop the, you know, a select group of people from anyways
1: yeah so i say yeah. sicario aaron says traffic let's call the whole thing off
0: <laughs> all right that was our last episode uh so yeah the next uh the next movies we're going to be checking out is a uh double header of uh the the american girl with the dragon tattoo and the swedish girl with the dragon tattoo the
1: girls with the, the dragon the- tattoos <laughs>
0: the American made and Swedish made the girl with the dragon tattoos. What you get it. Um, if you want to check those out before our next episode, they are both available through Amazon. The Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo movie is available through prime video. The American girl with the dragon tattoo, vi- uh, movie is available through stars, which through Amazon with a subscription, y'all get it. Um, so, we'll be back next month with that in the meantime uh you can follow us on twitter at match cut we'll be announcing um smaller episodes that will come out before that and give you a heads up where you can catch those and what those movies will be
1: for the match cut podcast i've been matt
0: i've been aaron and we'll see you next time (laughs)
1: on Dragon Ball Z.
0: <laughs> oh god. Oh that that dubbed that dub soundtrack was one of the dragon, most disappointing. Dragon,
1: rock oh. the Dragon Dragon Ball Z.
0: If I didn't have that nostalgia for like watching that shit on Toonami as a teenager, I would I would hate this song.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a bad song. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Mm. So hate away. <laughs>